Welcome to the Mastering Retention Podcast, presented by UserWise, where we talk to top mobile game experts about their experiences running successful games. My name is Mike, and I work on the marketing team. On this week's episode of Mastering Retention, Mate Loncherik, user acquisition and marketing consultant, joins Tom Hammond to break down some of the ways he has helped companies meet their UA goals and discuss how important brand awareness is when it comes to acquiring new users. We hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to today's episode of the Mastering Retention Podcast. Um, today, I am delighted to have Mate Lantrick on with me. Um, we've got a, a lot of fun topics that we're going to dive into today. Um, I also love our background. So I don't know if there's going to yeah. be any videos out, but you know, we've got your, your daughter's <laughs> changing see. table in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have my sons because I'm actually in the office today, but I did come relatively recently from the gym. So I'd probably get a lashing from my wife about, you know, not looking like a CEO <laughs> today. So I still kind of nice. gym clothes on. So, you know, we're, we're kind of in the same boat, but, yeah, uh, exactly. you know, today we're going to be talking about a really fun topic and that is user acquisition. <laughs> And, you know, I, I traditionally have been more a little bit more on like the live ops game design, you know, economy type stuff. Um, but UA, you know, even if you look at like a successful game studio, right, like what are their costs over time? And it's like 80 to 90% just in that user acquisition. Yeah, so, um, exactly. and I know that that's pretty much all you do. So, you know, before we actually dive in, like, um, can you just tell us a little bit about like, your story and, and where you're at today and kind of what you're doing, how you, you know, work with game studios. Sure. Of course. Uh, also, thank you very much for having me on the pod. Uh, I'm really looking forward to, to the discussion. So uh, well, where to start? I mean, I've been in the industry for like nine years already. Started here at, uh, at Pixel Federation, which is the, the biggest game dev company in Slovakia, where I'm originally from and I'm based here. I mean, I'm based in, in my daughter's room. <laughs> <laughs> That's my office now. But uh, I was there for five years. Uh, their game started on Facebook, kind of us back in days. And um, well, I was the soft launch owner and global launch owner of all the games, reported mm. everything to mobile, was working on the soft launch framework, global launch uh, UA strategy as well. Also doing the hands-on work on, on those uh, campaigns. And uh, well, I mean, I learned everything I know there. I was there for five years. Then um joined one, one other marketing agency here in, uh, in Slovakia, which is working with gaming as well. Build a team there, like the UA plus creatives from zero to 25. That was also a nice, nice experience, a nice ride. But like two years ago, well, you know, so thought life's short, let's try something else. And uh, I've been doing the UA consultancy. But I can't say since then, because I was already like doing these side gigs here and there at the Pixel Federation, because I wanted to learn more about like different games, uh, different genres as well. Because obviously different games and different companies have different challenges and uh, I love to solve those. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now it's just an independent consultancy type of, uh, type of thing where I just work with uh, multiple companies on the strategy level or and the hands-on work because I still love to get my hands dirty and manage the campaigns. <laughs> uh, but I also, yeah, you know, it's, I still love it. I still love it. I can't, I, I don't know why, but it still, it still makes me happy. Yeah. And uh, I also have my own creative team of like 10 motion designers that, you know, I trust them with my UA life uh, and they're very close to me and helping me 
optimize all the all the creatives and uh, refresh the campaigns. So yeah, that's very briefly it. I mean, yeah, uh, that's well, great. So uh, you know, of of your kind of consultancy, um, what like if I'm a game studio and listening, mm-hmm. like what size studio or, or game or you know point in the game, like does it make sense to you know work with someone like you? Yeah, I I, I always uh, love to get. Uh, as early as I can um, on the on the project. I mean, my favorite topic is uh, is soft launch, and I've, I've wrote a lot of uh, soft launch pieces uh, on this topic. So, <clears throat> I mean, there is always a good chance that we jump in uh, when the soft launch is starting. But even before soft launch uh, is actually happening, there are some uh, activities that can be done uh, even in the pre soft launch phase. So, uh, depends on the needs of those uh, those studios out there. I don't like to say, you know, you need to spend 50k a month just to be able to work with me because that's not how it works. I mean, <laughs> yes, yeah. with with higher budgets, there's like a lot of other activities you need to do, but it's not all about spend, but maybe, you know, about the, the point where the game is. But as a UA or marketing uh, person, you can do a lot of stuff around the, the game, even if it's not out, out yet. Gotcha. Makes sense. Okay. So I wanted to talk a little bit about mobile in general has, you know, it it started in the early days where you could pretty much just like make a game and you would have like hundreds of thousands or millions of people just like finding and downloading (laughs) your game and stuff. Right. Yeah. And, and over time it's gotten more and more competitive. And I, I feel like somewhere in like the 2016, 2017 realm, it started to get like bloody competitive yeah, where crazy, you know crazy as hell uh, <laughs> right um and and it's kind of stayed that way you know to different extents and stuff and i i we won't get into idfa but i know that's kind of changed up things a lot too um but it's basically gone from you can't just build it and like they will come to really like performance driven you know ua marketing and i think we're getting more and more into this world of uh, a red ocean competition regardless of your genre or anything else that's going on there. Um, And so, yeah, you hear about some people that are like, oh, well, if you can just find a a pocket of blue ocean, like you can do stuff and like, okay, maybe to a point, like if you come up with merge mansion, you can like do that. But now there's how many merge games that are out there and it's just, you know, exploding in terms of competitiveness. Um, And a lot of that I think ties back to user acquisition and stuff. Now, there's been an interesting trend though. Um, I'm seeing some of these new, I'm going to call like upstart studios that have started post like 2017, like after that, like bloody annihilation where a lot of these like early studios that relied heavily on, you know, organic traffic and stuff that have really deterred where some of these other ones are just like coming in and starting to dominate like dream games. Like nobody thought that match three had like a huge opportunity to just like come in and well. Do- well, 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 well. Let's, let's just stop there. I mean, if you if you think about it, really, that company. I mean, all the founders were big games. Right. They know exactly what they are doing. Exactly <laughs> what they are doing. They know all the background uh, shenanigans that we don't see. I mean, we don't see that, of course. But they they know how the the genre works. They've been there. They built Toon Blast or Toy Blast, and now, of course, of course, they said like, yeah. Well, we can build it even better. We can build even better game. That's why the Royal Match is now scaling so heavily. I mean, you you could see the uh, the interview with the CEO. Like he said, look, 
So we are able to scale the game thanks to the fact that we have really high LTV. And they are now optimizing for, I think, one and a half years of payback period, which not so many companies can <laughs> afford, obviously. But now, yeah. you know, they, they started spending a couple of thousands a day. Now they're spending billion a day. But, you know, they're going to see the, the money back in one and a half years. Yeah. Of course, I mean, they raised to 255 million again yeah. after, you know, uh, their previous raise. So, uh, <clears throat> again, you know, you, ha- you need to have the knowledge and uh, the, the game design uh, expertise. Mm-hmm. And with match free genre, that's even like more difficult and that's more needed uh, to be able to grow the game. Oh yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. Like yeah. Royal Match is a phenomenally oh yeah yeah definitely. great game. I can't even play Candy Crush now that I've played Royal Match because <laughs> it's just like I don't know how they do it, but like nearly every turn, like I always end it with yeah. like the plus five moves, and I finally set up like the bit. Like it's just so brilliantly it's really, done, yeah, it's really well and, made. And they have like a cadence where like every twenty levels, I know there's going to be like a new mechanic that they introduce and, and then it's going to be easy and fun. And then it's going to be like super hard. But like, once I beat that, then I get like an extra fun. It's, it's just beautifully done. Um, so I, not to underwrite that, like, I yeah. think in order to compete in the red ocean, you've got to have a superior product. And I think they yeah. do have a superior product to, you know, candy crush and some of those other things yeah. out there. Um, but you know, another one that I, I find particularly interesting is uh triple dot, um, and, you know, again, some of them kind of hail from, from Turkey and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Very similar and, story. <laughs> and, you know, my, my wife recently started playing uh, block puzzle just, just a lot. Um, yeah. So I was like, well, that seems like an interesting game. And so I started like learning a little bit more about like block puzzle and stuff. And, and block puzzle is an interesting one because it came out in, uh, what was it, like 2017, mm-hmm. like the, the beginning of it. Um, and it's a very simple game. You like, you've got a grid, you fill it up. Mm-hmm. Like once you get to the end of the rows, it like goes away and you basically just try to compete on it. No in-app purchase, like nothing. It's like just ad-based games. You know, after each time you play a game, you get an ad. Um, and yeah, you know, she's been playing that a lot, probably yeah. for like a month now. <laughs> and they've probably gotten <laughs> a lot of ad views out of her. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, looking around a little bit more, Triple Dot came up with, Wudoku, which yeah. is fundamentally exactly the same as block puzzle. Now they've added a little different mechanic of instead of the eight rows, it's mm-hmm. nine. And you can also uh, destroy like little squares, like a Sudoku versus just like the straight across. But otherwise everything else about that game is exactly the same. And that came out in 2020, three years after yep. block puzzle should have already completely dominated the market um, and, and had this. And I think Wodoku has scaled up to something like 5 million daily active users. Um, and, and I find that very interesting. And so I wanted to kind of come up with a hypothetical situation. So um, I, hap- I happen let's to, do, let's do that. <laughs> I happen to own a, uh, a URL, well, a company does, uh, own a URL uh, for Thinkery with a Y, um, thinkery.com. Um, we, we bought it for something unrelated and we never actually used okay. it, but I, I just noticed <laughs> that it was still out there. So I was like, um, and I was playing around in the unity. They had like an asset sale and I saw, Hey, there's like a little block puzzle type thing. So, you know, what if we, 
uh, took the full game, reskinned it, and now we've got a thinkery game because thinkery kind of goes into that blank mm-hmm. brain teaser type genre and stuff. So, you know, now we've made a game that is very similar to Wudoku, very similar to Block Puzzle. Um, pretty competitive. Both of them are churning a lot of money in, in UA spend. Like, it looks like Wudoku is getting a couple million at least yep. downloads per month. Block Puzzle's around... Well, at least a million. Um, so, you know, and I think there's other games like this too. So is it possible for me to take this game and actually successfully launch it kind of in this, you know, competitive type market space? Or, you know, is there something that I need to do further in terms of like changing or adding something else to the game to make it enticing to players? Yeah. So first thing, I, I think that your your game is going to fail. Sorry, but it's <laughs> going to fail really, really hard because you know you just what you just described is exactly what what other clones do, and there's like no added value to to the game that they are cloning actually. So you yeah. take the the assets from the Unity store. I mean, do something. I create the game in in a couple of weeks. But you know, we see the front end, which is very similar to what we see on the other games, but we don't see the back end basically. So, you know, if you if you build it, okay, fine. Then like Akin from a triple dot studio, he's a gaming veteran, he exactly knows what he's doing. The same situation with dream games, basically. Yeah. And I know I had the call with him a couple of years ago, and he said, like, okay, so we are going to into this direction, you know, we know exactly what we are doing. Amazing. But then of course, like you have the, the great product, but then you need to invent something on the marketing side and i i know like that's why i'm here at the moment to, to talk about it right <laughs> jokes aside i mean if you if you see what kind of uh ads um Vudoku is uh is uh, producing and the same thing uh what kind of royal match or creative royal match is uh is producing as well there's something in common i mean they're using the well they are both i would say oriented more towards towards female audience yep from what i see so they're first uh let's say Vudoku, they're asking the questions like okay um attacking the iq of the players and then try to to use the brain teaser and uh, the whole logic around that and that's something that i've seen that work really well with female audience but, you know, you need to be creative. So, of course, like, I know, can you solve this? It's not that creative. It's like, okay, you, mm. you know, how, um, like, how your IQ change if you, you know, um, uh, play the game and that there are these different moves. So these, these all elements of the creatives are kind of like working on the female audience and then like decreasing the CPS quite heavily. Mm-hmm. Of course, all these questions asked in the in the creatives, at least on Facebook, for example, Instagram, they create a lot of traction in the comment section. And, you know, you can see the the emojis, answers and everything there. And that definitely helps with the Facebook algorithm. So, you know, you, you get all these um, uh, reactions and that brings the CPI down and also puts, pushes you up in the auction. So like, that's how mm. it works. So you need to create that buzz around that. And, and they are doing quite well. If you look at the Royal Match um, creatives, they are always working with fear and try, you know, you trying to save the king. But it's not fake that, I mean, it is to a certain degree, but they're still using the game mechanic and the game assets. So it's yep. like in the somewhere in the middle. 
homescapes and gardenscapes did it as well years ago. Also, you you, you had to save Austin in a, in a million different situations. This is something that really works on the female audience. Probably not not gonna work on on male audience. So that's why you know you need to balance it out on the creative side. That's the thing. I mean, if you have a very very high LTV, then uh, and and then find the the right recipe on the creative side, then you can spend against the LTV and then like earn a lot of money. Obviously, you you can see that on on both games. Yeah. And then like that comes back to to your game. I mean, is is the game really adding something new? Do you have already like a creative concepts in mind that would work? on the female audience. Yeah. So, so let's maybe address a couple of things here. Mm -hmm. So I do believe that you can clone to a point, maybe like Mm -hmm. 70 or 80% of the game, but then there has to be some sort of innovation and change there. Um, You know, and there, there could be some research that I could do to try to figure out what this should be by like talking to females. So, you know, like talking to my wife, she hates that there's an annoying ad after every <laughs> level. So, you know, could we innovate there? Maybe, maybe not. It might completely tank the LTV. But, you know, like, here's an example. You know, right now, those games don't have any sort of, like, booster mechanics like you do see in Royal Match. So maybe yep. our innovation is adding boosters where you can, like, yep. clear a row or you can, like, have an undo. And we try to lean into, like, an in-app purchase type. Again, I don't know if that's yeah, a good yeah, of idea, course. Yeah, yeah, but, of course. you know, that, that could be some sort of innovation that we could do that now maybe I could actually draw some of those players that just hate this constant flow of ads and, you know, we can offset some of those, you know, probably there's still be some ads, but like, can we yeah. offset some of those with in-app yeah, purchase yeah, yeah. and still drive up the LTV? Um, so I do think there has to be some level of innovation in the product, whether like the way that we see it and stuff. Um, yeah. And then, I also think, you know, when we're looking at ads and stuff, um, it seems like the Wodoku ads that I've seen, and again, I haven't really researched this that much, um, an idea that I thought, thought would be fun for this podcast, um, but uh, they seem to correlate very closely to a lot of like the ads that I've seen for like wordscapes. Um, mm-hmm. where you're like trying, yeah, again, you talked about the IQ yeah. and like, yeah, yeah, what's yeah, your exactly. age and things like that. And, and you see the person like putting it in and you're like, Oh, why would you put it there? Like you're an idiot. And then you want to <laughs> download the game and, you know, and engage in stuff like that. Um, so let's say I hire you and I've got the game. We've innovated a little bit. Like we have, think this is going to be like, what would your, you know, take be like, if we need to design new creative ads, like, would you start with the ads that you're seeing in peripheral games, like wordscapes? Would you start with the direct competitors like Wodoku, or would you take it somewhere, you know, completely beyond that? Most probably I would uh, try a mix of multiple things. Uh, would I try to do always like before um, jumping in uh, and start like uh, doing UA for companies, sit down with the team, um, try to look at the competition, what they are doing, uh, also similar genres, or let's say we have the female audience. I mean, we can see the overlap between the different genres, like, like you said, the boardscapes, for example, games. Also, that brings uh, another level to the, to the brainstorming session. So, you know, looking at the competition and multiple genres and then trying to find out what exactly is the, the unique selling proposition of my game and 
put that into the creative brief as well. So, you know, like after the brainstorming session, there, there are like multiple creative concepts that we put on paper, create a creative brief, and then discuss like, okay, so what would be the best and ideal scenario or creative concept that we, we will use? Usually, again, for the first couple of concepts, it's a mix because, you know, you can do a lot of homework, but still you need to know what exactly works and you need to see the data and I know like, you know, you can't see pretty much the data of the competition. Unfortunately, if you if you would see that, then life uh, would be definitely easier for a lot of viewing managers. And then take it from there. Uh, and I also like to, um, you know, create a lot of crazy um, shit creatives as well. I mean, even, even for female audience, that's something that works really well. You know, because all the creatives, they need to, they need to work with the, the player's emotions always, always. That's that's how it is. So if you if you can do that in the creative, then uh, then you are like winning on the fifty percent. Then you need to convert them in the store. But that's another question. Uh, but then what I see at the moment, and that's what what you uh, you said also with the innovation. So you know, right now, if uh, if I want to start innovating on the creative side, I'm looking always on the hyper casual genre because hyper casual is now i mean there is a downtrend obviously but still you can see a lot of hyper casuals in the in the top charts yep and a lot of them are also female oriented so basically taking those creative concepts and if it's possible to use it within the game i manage at the moment then i'm adapting immediately that's something that works so well because of the broad appeal of the hyper casual game and then if you yeah, if you take that concept, I mean, it's a half fake, obviously, but you know, we need to do what we need to do to decrease the CPIs, and uh, that would be also one experimental concept that I would uh, I would try to to create as well. Gotcha. Um, I have I have so many questions, but nice. um, <laughs> you sparked something. Um, there Thank was you. a Facebook study that they released, and I forget if it was this last year or the year before that. My my brain's scatterbrained a little bit, um, but uh, they basically said they did a study and they found that only one out of four people will download an app or game that they don't have prior knowledge to. And and what I mean by that is like, you know, I have heard about candy crush either from friends or from tv or, or, or somewhere like I've, I've heard about this thing and now i see an ad for it and it's like well actually that looks pretty fun like i'll give it a try but you know if you've never heard about genshin impact before and no friend has told you how awesome this thing is you should check it out and now you see an ad um, theoretically three out of four people wouldn't download that game because, you know, there's just no like brand awareness about that. Do you think that's actually true? Well, what I think, and what is actually true is that those are like two separate, <laughs> uh, separate things, but I, uh, I mean, obviously there is, um, certain brand awareness effect. If you hit certain amount of downloads, if you run TV campaigns, if you have featuring in the app store, or Google play store, or if your friend told you about the game, but like running a, like brand awareness campaigns in order to get um, players to actually download the game, that's just the Facebook pushing so hard on their like a free, a region frequency um, type of campaigns because they were pushing it so hard back in days. Like, hey, you need to do the brand 
lift test so you can you know exactly see how that improves the the conversion rates on on your uh, on your game yeah to a certain degree yes but like 80% of that is like complete bullshit so you know, i hope uh, nobody from facebook is actually listening to this because <laughs> i already already, uh, already got my personal account banned <laughs> for one month at the beginning of this year so i start, i should stop talking shit about facebook <laughs> <laughs> um with that kind of thing in mind like do you think it's in like okay so obviously that's what you said and we have what facebook says um <laughs> and you know we don't actually know where the truth is um but let's assume for a second that the facebook data is actually correct and you're basically wasting 75 percent of your user acquisition budget on you know, views that people are never going to download your game in theory. Um, in theory. Do you think that it is worth at some level trying to do some of this higher level brand awareness type of, uh, you know, spend or, or, or different things like that? Or is it just better kept within the performance marketing that we can actually track? Yeah. The thing is like, it's, you know, how is it different if you spend 75% on the UA, the actual UA you can track, or that 75% on some brand awareness bullshit that you can't even track? And the thing is, like, even if there is like one out of four players downloading the game on Facebook, that doesn't necessarily mean they won't download it, your game on other channels because they saw the ad on Facebook. So, you know, like there is the synergy effect if you run multiple. So it, it could just be the fact that like, wow, I've been seeing this Exactly. everywhere yeah and now yeah which <laughs> exactly. you know could be the case with uh royal match where they've you know just been spending so much that it's like oh, wow these ads. <laughs> i see like 10 ads per day on instagram or facebook it's all royal match in different concepts i mean they're spending so much money so much money it's uh it's really <laughs> amazing i mean <laughs> okay um now Back to our, our thinkery game yeah, for yeah. a second. Yeah, okay, um, okay. You you were talking about uh, how it would be nice to see your competitors' metrics and like have a gauge and stuff by that. Um, now I heard at one point in time that you can cheat and take the ad that a competitor is using <laughs> and and run that and then actually see roughly like what their CPI is. Can you actually do that? You can do that, but the thing is, even if you do it, you won't see the real CPI because your store don't, doesn't look like the the competitor store. So if you run the ad, then you have your own game in the store, and you know there is like very big misalignment of expectations for the players. So you can roughly see the CPIs, but it's still the CPI will be definitely influenced by uh, your yeah, assets. Because they might be store. like, oh, that was just a fake ad. Or exactly, exactly. Like, what the fuck is this? I mean, it's like, <laughs> that, that, that's definitely not the game I'm, I'm seeing in the ad. So like, why should I even install it? And yeah. then like your experiment is, uh, is over. But it is very true that a lot of uh, companies uh, do this type of uh, cheating. And they do this, do this also in terms of icon tests and screenshot tests and whatever. It's like take your icon and then like, okay, that this is performing way better. I need to then adapt my icon to do exactly what my competition is doing. Mm. It's, yeah, well, that's uh, that's how it is. I mean, it's probably not super legal and I'm not sure how this would be um, in court or whatever. <laughs> it's like, really? But I mean, a lot of people do it anyway. Yeah. 
that's interesting um okay could you take it and i don't know if you've ever used like a geek lab or something like that but like could you send them to a, a fake store that maybe is mocked up like that app and get like a closer approximation Again, yes, you can you can do that as well with Geek Lab or any other uh, any other tool out there. Um, yeah, hi Jesse, uh, <laughs> he's a friend. Uh, so so basically, you can do that, but still, it's not a real CPI or purchase campaign because you are sending it to fake landing page. There is the button to download. Yes, you can optimize for that type of conversion, but again, it's not real CPI. And even, even if it's closer to the CPI you are, uh, you are having on, the, on that fake store, it's going to be very far from what you actually do on the business as usual campaigns because you optimize for purchases, for value optimization, for any other events. So it's not going to be that relevant. I mean, maybe you could see the trend. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So going back a little bit, you know, you said, hey, your, your game clone thing is probably going to fail. Um, <laughs> are there, you know, other avenues that are still out there? So, you know, obviously if I'm making this game, that's kind of like Wudoku, um, probably it's like an older female audience. Mm -hmm. Hey, guess what? There's an older female audience that like uses Facebook every day still. My mom's audience, because she's on it all the time, um, you know. I don't actually know, like, are Facebook games still even a thing that you can get on? Like, I remember playing them in college, but then they've kind of like died out. But like, could it be, hey, you know, instead of releasing this on this hyper competitive mobile market, like, could I adapt this and release it as a web based, you know, Facebook game and maybe have a chance of finding success there? You can you can do whatever you want. Don't <laughs> you can do, but it's like uh, that inventory is shrinking every day. And in 2014 or 15, when we ported everything to mobile at Pixel Federation, it was already like almost dying. I know mm -hmm. now, like with the hype about the, the web-free games and everything is there on browser, maybe we will see some like uplift in, in terms of the inventory, but it's still Facebook Canvas. It's, well, don't even try that. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's there is like dead. zero people. Yeah. It's, and even if there, I mean, of course there is the, the target audience, but it was like, 50,000 people or 500,000 people. I mean, yes, it's true that you can make money out of that kind of audience, but most probably it's not going to be in millions or you, you, you won't be able to scale it. Yeah. Although, you know, earning at least some money is better than not earning anything. Right. So it's, <laughs> uh, you don't need to, you know, don't need to have like million, multi-million um, revenue a month. Uh, it can be in hundreds of thousands and still be very much profitable. Yeah. But we're probably not going to get to our, you know, 5 million daily active users. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where, where Wudoku is. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. way. <laughs> no way. No way. Okay, that's good. Just thinking generally, the, the idea behind user acquisition is ultimately we want to attract players, right? Um, so we've got our ThinkRead game. What do you think would be the best way to approach attracting players? Like, is it going to you know, start with like user interviews and trying to understand the like, hey, why do you play games? Or like, what are you trying to get out of this? Or yeah, you know, where, where would your starting point be if I said, Mate, here's the game. Yeah. It's your job to scale it up. I, 
it's unlimited budget. Like, what do we need to do to figure this out? Yeah, I mean, uh, even if it's unlimited budget, then I would be um, happy to see any any type of interviews uh, you've done before uh, actually creating this game or uh, or any homework you've done uh, in order to create the game in terms of the target audience. And then um, I'm always trying to start with lower budgets if we don't have any data. So let's say we spend 10K. We'll get on Facebook most probably because even though it's uh, the quality is decreasing these days, uh, it's still my go-to channel. At least it was. Yep. Uh, but I still would spend 10K there just to understand like how um, the creatives are resonating with the target audience. Who is actually the the best audience for this type of game? Would and you then, start? Would you start broader of just like? Yeah, everyone or or all yeah, I would females start definitely or, yeah. broader yeah broader and then a step by step narrow it uh, down because um yeah even though it is definitely female oriented game we could get some male um audience there and uh well why why not to target those <laughs> yeah and uh, and then step by step identify if the if if it's really the thirty five plus or forty five plus female or it's uh, you know male eighteen to twenty four but uh, female thirty five plus I mean most likely it's not going to be the case but it's still worth trying <laughs> and exploring <laughs> have some kind of data and uh, and then based on the LTV we we will have the discussion like look Tom so the LTV is. I know five dollars in US. Our CPI is four point five, so I mean we can try uh, and uh, and run some um, some campaigns, but most probably we won't hit five million DAUs anytime soon. One thing is like to experiment really like crazy on the creative side, and maybe we will be able to decrease the CPI to what like two dollars in US. That would be pretty good, actually, because like then, then there is a pretty pretty nice margin. Then uh, yeah. we can we can use for scaling the game. So that if that's something that we will do, then um, we could go from fifty k a month uh, spent to maybe I don't know four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand. I'm making this up, but maybe yeah. maybe that would be possible. That would be the cap because I mean, unfortunately, the LTV won't uh, allow us to spend more and scale the game further. If you then Say okay, look, Matei, I will increase the LTV to ten dollars. That opens up a lot of other possibilities, and then mm. the also what is important to to know is if the if the five dollar LTV is solely ad monetized or there's in app purchases as well. If it's ad based, yeah, sure, okay, we can uh, we can run some uh, some campaigns uh, based on the lowest uh, CPI possible, but then. If then you will be able to put some IIPs in there, again, that opens up a lot of other possibilities on the campaign structure and everything. So I would just, I would probably do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be my start. <laughs> I like it. Um, for, for someone, you know, really basic like me, um, what sort of uh, structures or services or things do I need in place to be able to actually track what my CPI is and actually track what my LTV is? Well, again, depends on like what is the monetization uh, strategy of the game, but definitely uh, having an MMP in place would be <laughs> would be a nice start. Uh, 
and then uh, mediation partner as well. I mean, or just starting with the, any ad network just for monetization in terms of the ads. Uh, but as uh, you might have heard that uh, you, you would need the ad, uh, ad mediation at some point in the future after soft launch just to be really competitive. And then, uh, well, you can still find LTV modeling in Firebase. I mean, it's probably not going to be really the tool you would use, but then um, using any visualization for that type of uh, LTV um, curves would be great. Data Studio is for free, but then uh, using Looker or uh, what else uh, is there? Tableau, that would be great. And uh, I mean, in, in terms of like the CPIs and everything, it's all in the, the UA channel. So don't need any like middlemen uh, just to have all all the UA sources in the in one dashboard. I mean, you can see it in, in the in the MMP anyway, so it's fine. And then um, the same thing for creatives. There are definitely tools that make your life easier, but you don't need them from the start. I mean, if you spend one million a day, like Royal Match, probably need a very <laughs> extensive. Um, creative tool to be able to measure everything but if you are spending 10k you don't need that i mean you can see all the creative um, uh, kpis in all the channels anyway yeah how many different yeah. creatives would you start with if we're doing like a, a 10k campaign would it be like 5 10 20 yeah most probably 5 i mean uh, uh we need way more than one or two from the for the start but then um five is if it's enough and then what i usually do is every week create a new creative concept and then refresh the campaigns. So for, for 10K, that would be enough. For 100K, 500K is definitely like more concepts on a weekly basis is, is better. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about ROAS now. Okay. Um, so return on ad spend for folks that are listening, uh, which I'm sure you guys all already know. Um, but, uh, you know, for our game, how important are ROAS and is there a certain kind of target that you would look for in say an early stage game? Like we, we talked about Royal Mash a little bit. It sounds like their ROAS target is a year and a half. I don't think most studios can afford to wait a year exactly. and a half to get paid back. So, um, you know, to make this actually scalable and a viable game, what do you think a reasonable target ROAS would be? Well, that's the thing. I mean, what, what I think uh, for this type of game, most probably looking past day 30 would be, well, definitely killing yourself uh, because yeah. it's, uh, it's most probably not viable. But it all comes down to the, you know, your cash flow, your money in the bank account as well, in, and your ability to, um, to get used to uh, risking a little bit. Because... Of course, I mean, that, this type of game most probably won't have a long-term retention, but there are definitely games um, out there with pretty good long-term retention, but the companies won't be able to scale because they don't have a lot of money on their bank accounts, obviously. So they need to look at the shorter payback periods, for example, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days maximum. So always, that's always what I uh, what I ask the, the companies, like, hey, so, okay, if there is a scaling opportunity. Do you have the money to actually scale the game? Because, <laughs> you know, with higher budgets, always the, the payback period is um, increasing. So, you know, if you spend 30K, you can get the money back in, in 30 days easily because, you know, you, yeah. you target only your core audience. But as soon as you just grow the budgets, then you open up the targeting and it's definitely going more broader. And then the payback period also increases. Mm. 
is ROAS something that I should think about? You know, I know a lot of games that are in this, what I'm going to call soft launch hell, um, where uh, CPI is just too far beyond LTV, but like they're short of getting closer, but like I, I can't scale them and stuff. Um, is there a certain point where, you know, it, it makes sense to think about? So, you know, in our earlier example, you said, okay, we've got our LTV up to $5 and our CPI is at 450. Um, if our ROAS is say like seven days, and then suddenly we start getting that profit. Um, and, and kind of what that means is, uh, in theory, if I spend a thousand dollars, I don't know what that is divided by 450. Um, I'm going to end up making, um, so I'd end up making a thousand one hundred and eleven dollars back. So I end up netting hundred and eleven dollars. Yeah. Uh, so after seven days, or maybe slightly thereafter, um, yeah. I, I now have that money back, which I can reinvest again. So initially, I was able to get two hundred and twenty-two downloads. Now I can, you know, do this again. Just wait, just wait, just wait, because you, of course, you have that money, but you will receive that money in forty-five days from true, the true. from the ad networks because you know. You don't have that money on the bank account, so that's yeah, you know that's something five. that's that's limiting it. Yeah, unless it's all in-app purchase driven, you get a little bit oh, faster. Yeah, right but yeah, you, but, but oh, still, yeah, but still, you still it's it it takes a month until you get that money. So you obviously yeah. you can re reinvest, but un until you get the money, well, you need yes. to wait. <laughs> so there, there's a little bit of a lag before I <laughs> yeah. can like you know, really. Yeah, do yeah, exactly. Um, but but the general theory is like yep. the shorter my period is and the higher that margin is the more yeah. that i can then reinvest in the next yeah, yeah, batch yeah. of users and keep kind of growing my game um so i have heard of like some games have hey our cpi costs a dollar but our ltv is like five dollars but our payback period is like 180 days and it's actually easier to scale a game that has a lower overall margin but their you know roas is a much smaller window there too um, yeah, so I'm just look, you said the uh, our LTV is five dollars, but the the payback period is 180. So they day 180 LTV is is five dollars. What is their LTV on day seven? That's the that's the main question. I mean, if it's one one ten 120, you have you have the answer right away. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, I guess I was just kind of generally curious from your perspective. Is there like a target CPI LTV ROAS? range combination that you would think about of like, Hey, maybe this is ready to actually start to scale up and kind of get out of this soft launch hell range. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the soft launch hell range is, uh, <laughs> it's pretty tough. I mean, uh, it's, uh, some companies won't even make it from that soft launch hell, but, it, but it's good because, uh, even if you are in that hell for three months or four months and you can't do anything about it, then just, you know, that's the time when you kill the game and then move on in terms of the, any like specific numbers, very hard to say if even even when you have the hyper casual games i mean their mar margins are well, like 10 to 20 percent which is really small but their starting cpi is around like 20 cents 10 cents in the in the us and the ltv may be around 50 cents one dollar so I mean, if you have definitely like let's say margin about 50 percent then that would mean um, you can do a lot of stuff on the us uh, ua field but I mean, yeah. that 50% is just like out of my, let's say, experience. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Okay. I wanted to talk a little bit in the, the last minutes on, okay. you know, there's different types of creatives that you can run. And what, what I mean by that is yeah. like placements more, um, you know, what's your take on like an interstitial ad versus a rewarded video versus a playable, um, and, and when should you be testing and trying different formats to see like what nets you the best CPI and engagement, IPM, what have you? Uh, yeah, I mean, depends on the UA channel. Uh, it's always uh, on the ad networks like Unity, Iron Sword of Angle and, and others. The playables are uh, working way better and having like better IPM. So uh, thousand um, installs, well, installs per thousand impressions. And uh that's the playables on, on Unity or the ad networks. If you use playables on Facebook, it's not probably going to work because the the use of the playables on Facebook is just terrible. I mean, there's that, that's not a good platform for for playing uh, for using playables. But if you use uh, static images or even uh, videos, different uh, dif- different lengths from 15 seconds to 30 seconds. We've even done the study for. Uh, the 22.5 second video is performing the best, for example, and stuff like that. That's going to work on Facebook. But it's go- I like to use a mix of static images and uh, and videos always because for some games, um, for example, cooking games, I found out that the static images are working way better than any videos that I've uh, I've produced. And it was like really like variety of multiple concepts so it wasn't like okay so i've, I've done shitty job and the videos were, were terrible but it's like static images always work better so it's always the combination i mean on on ad networks is it can be playables only or videos plus playables that's something that uh, yields the best results on the social networks videos different lengths and different formats as well so you're not only using the square videos but also landscape four to five format and also vertical format as well because all those formats can unlock very different inventories uh, even on facebook and the tiktok as well and snap basically yeah so yeah but you know using everything using everything <laughs> always on different channels yeah no that makes sense okay one final topic, which we could probably spend the whole whole day t- talking about, but um, I know we're almost out of time here. Um, traditionally, when you hear marketing at non-gaming companies, let's think of like a Tinder or a Spotify mm-hmm. or whatnot, most of their work isn't on the performance marketing UA side of things. It's actually marketing like subscription upgrades or other things to like existing users that are there or sending them emails or pushing it or, or whatever to like remind them to come back and boost that engagement and retention and stuff like that. Um, do you think that over time, you know, marketers and games can and maybe should shift a little bit more downstream than strictly being all upstream kind of UA performance marketing driven type such? Well, uh, it's called community management, basically, not only the <laughs> not only UA part of things. Because uh, what we've done before, uh, let's say for uh, Pixel Federation, we we had our community. We tried, you know, very hard to to keep them happy as well, and then remind them of the new content. We were working with them as well, and then obviously they for all the companies out there, even for social casinos, they have their VIP programs for you know managing veils. Because also what we had 
back then uh there was one guy from poland who spent 150k in translation and that was the guy that everybody was like oh wow we need to make his him happy because you know if he quits then uh, you know a lot of our revenue is just going away so this is all always here in terms of the community then as we as a ua managers we can use the re, re, uh, retargeting and uh, re-engagement campaigns and to a certain extent we do that push notifications as well the email marketing is not that uh, common in games Maybe especially could, without yeah, gdpr yeah, yeah kind exactly of exactly i mean it could be <laughs> at some point in the future but mm, not so much but yes, there's definitely a lot of other marketing activities that, that mobile gaming uh, marketers could do, of course, but they don't do it because it's like, A, a um, lot of time, B, not really uh, a huge potential um, ROAS out of those activities. So, you know, it's always about like uh, trying to acquire more new users and then, um, then you know, pointing fingers at the games like, hey, you, you know. You are the guys. You need to keep them in the <laughs> in the game. No, just kidding. That was a that was one uh, one discussion we had. Like, okay, the game team was always pointing at, at us, uh, like you know, you are getting us really shitty players. And then we said, like, yeah, well, you know, like we are getting good quality players, but the game is not keeping them in. So, like, hey, where's the truth? And yeah. then you know, these days everybody is just working alongside uh, you know product team and game team. We are not working in, in silos anymore. So. That was a, that was all the joke I always try to <laughs> try to think about. <laughs> I love it. Cool. Well, um, I do have one final question for you because we are on the Master Retention Podcast, of course. And that's, yep. you know, what's one tip or trick or lesson you've kind of learned over the years to increase retention? Like, how do you keep players playing for longer? Well, uh, first of all, my ultimate tip for uh, for any UA marketer is like tried various event optimizations because those can yield very different retention profiles and uh and don't stop like experimenting with those because uh from, from what i found out during the the career let's say we have different towns in the in the game so we can use town one town three town four town ten whatever as an as an event optimization goal mm-hmm. you can also use like okay so I want to send an event when one player logs in five times a day and then use that for a campaign optimization. So that would definitely get better retention profiles with better retaining players than the, better than the engagement. other events. Yeah. Yeah. And better engagement. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's definitely something I would, uh, I would encourage people to, to try and experiment. I love it. That's a great tip. Well, thank you so much, Mate. This has been uh, great. If folks do want to, you know, get in contact with you with questions or, you know, if they want to use your services afterwards, is there a good way for them to reach out to you? Oh, yeah. I'm always active on LinkedIn. Uh, very similar to you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like definitely ping me there or visit my website, which is uh, lancharish.me, but it's L-A-N-C-A-R-I-C dot uh, M-E. That's Love it. it. All right. Well, Thanks, thank Tom. you so much really, for joining. Thanks for having me.